Just having a good time today. Amen? Amen. You guys had a good Thanksgiving? Yes. I don't ever want to eat ever again. We had a Thanksgiving at my in-laws and then at my parents the next day. And then I had a bison burger yesterday. And that's it. I'm done for the year. I'm going to fast for the first 30 days in January. I'm thinking about that, actually. Um, so how are you? Blessed? Last week, we talked about truth. Uh, we talked about standing for truth. And um, God revealed something amazing in Mark chapter 8. So let's go there again. We're going to continue from there. Mark chapter 8. And uh, I feel like a teacher when I show this chart next. We're, we're going to show it in a bit. Not yet. But I want to read it with you guys first. And uh, so it's going to be Mark 8 and verse... 15. So I'm going to be reading the New King James Version for this one, and then after that, I'll be reading NLT. So you guys there? All right. So verse 15 says, Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have no bread. This is never going to stop making me laugh. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your hard, uh, heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves or the 5, 000, uh, for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Amen? So last week, we were talking about standing for truth and, <clears throat> and how Jesus tells his disciples here not to, to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven is like yeast, right? To beware of the yeast of the Pharisees or the yeast of... Um, of Herod. And basically, I, most of you guys know, hopefully, um, if you've ever made bread, I don't know, maybe you have, I don't know. Uh, I've seen my mom make it, and uh, she, you know, she has the, the lump of, like, the flour or whatever they use to make bread, of, you know, the wheat or whatever. You put a little bit of yeast, just a little bit, and then you let it sit, and it gets big, it gets huge, and you're like, whoa, it's like magic, right? And, uh, but just a little bit affects the whole lump, right? So what, what Jesus is trying to say here is just even just a little bit of how the Pharisees are in your life will affect your whole entire life. A little bit of how Herod is in his life will affect your entire life. And basically it was that they weren't honest and truthful with their lives. The, the Pharisees were religious leaders who were hypocrites. And King Herod, another hypocrite, but in the political form uh, where he... In front of the Jews, he was like this supposed king that, that worshipped God and sacrificed for the Lord. But in front of the Romans, he participated in, in pagan activities. And so Jesus is telling them, you know, beware of the leaven of Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Live honest and truthful lives. If you have issues, talk about them, you know. Pray about them. Be honest with God. Because you don't want to, like, live a life where... You're kind of faking it 
because everything in the darkness always comes to light, the Bible says. And unfortunately, I've, I've experienced it myself, and I've also seen it in other folks where they keep hiding stuff. And so they do one of two things. They keep hiding it, and it comes out in a very abrupt and, like, impactful way. Or they keep hiding it, and they go away from the church. Because they rather not be exposed from what they're hiding. Are you with me so far? So Jesus, he cares for us. He's a good father, amen? So he wants us to, to live honest lives, to just be genuine. He wants us to live holy lives. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. But let's look at the chart one more time. Can you put it up? So if you see there on one side, I put leaven, the leaven of the Pharisees, the religious spirit. It's what you can do to look religious and try to please God, like try to please God, quote unquote. The leaven of Herod, the political spirit, it's what you do to please people through affectation, meaning like you try to impress them with your like religiousness kind of thing. And then you rely on human government for affirmation to feel confirmed. And Jesus gives them the answer. He says, how many loaves of bread were left over? They say 12. How many loaves of bread, uh, bread were, were left over the second time? They say seven. And so he's given them the answer there through those numbers. They don't get it, but thank God we have the Holy Spirit. So he gives us the revelation of seven, meaning completeness. Through grace, we receive righteousness, identity, wholeness. God rested on the seventh day so we can rest in him. Amen. Twelve is heaven's foundation for government. It's the number of government. There's 12 tribes. You know, there's 24 elders in heaven. So kingdom offers pillars of values. It makes us solid on who we are. We can speak the truth of the gospel without the fear of men. So it's an awesome revelation that God gives us here in Mark chapter 8 where Jesus says, How many loaves did we take up? Twelve. How many loaves did we take up? Seven. So therefore, you understand, stay away from the political spirit, the religious spirit. Live honest, true, holy lives. I want to talk to you today about holiness. Sometimes we, well, we don't really talk about holiness, to be honest with you. We don't talk about practicing holiness because it is a scary conversation sometimes to talk with other believers about living a holy life, to challenge each other to live holy lives, right? The way that we speak, the way that we carry ourselves, the way what we touch, what we see, our activities should be led by the Holy Spirit and therefore be holy in action, amen? So sometimes that's difficult to talk about and discuss and it's only because we've been taught sometimes the wrong way. We think that a person, what a person looks, on the, uh, looks like on the outside means is how they are on the inside. And sometimes we even know that's not true in our mind, but we think, well, that's got to be, you know, that person's got to be doing right. Or, or we are the opposite. There's people that I heard of that say, no, that person, I don't care how good they look on the outside, they're still doing bad. But we got to be honest with ourselves and try to live a holy life as much as possible. Why? Not because we're going to earn anything. It's because we have it all already. And because there's people around us that are looking at us as examples. Amen? What's the first thing that someone says when, uh, when they hear about Christianity? What's like one of the first things besides like judgmental? Maybe the second thing, I guess. Perfect? Hypocrite. You agree? 
the reason for that is because we don't live holy lives, right? The second reason is because some people just don't understand the gospel. They think that we should be complete and perfect in our performance. And no, we need Jesus every day just like everyone else. Amen? So, but God does call us to live a holy life in everything that we do. Does he do it in a way where he expects like total and utter perfection all the time, 100%? It, it doesn't work like that. It's a process. So I want to take you through a little bit of that process. Before we can even begin to talk about how to live holy, we got to talk about other things before we get to there. The problem sometimes is someone new will come to church and we say, okay, by day ninth, you got to be living a holy life already. Okay? And they don't, they don't even know who John the Baptist is or sometimes Jesus. All right? So we got to take it step by step. So first, let's read what the Lord says about living holy. So let's go to first of Peter. I'm going to read a lot today, by the way. So just get your Bibles ready. First of Peter, chapter one, verse 14. So it says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Amen? For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Let me read it again to you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So when God says be holy, he is declaring what you are in him. He's not, he's not commanding you to do something you cannot do. Amen? You have the Holy Spirit in you, so he's telling you you can be holy because I've declared you to be holy. You, you can't be something you're not. A, a bad tree will always give a bad fruit. A good tree will give good fruit. You can't change the fruit. You have to change the nature of the tree. Amen? So when God comes, he changes the nature inside of us. He changes the nature of the tree so that we can be holy. And although he says, you know, don't slip back to do the things that you used to do. What is he saying there? He's saying that we had a practice that we used to do. Okay, but now he's changed us and we have the option to do what is right. Amen. We have also the option to do what is not right. Amen. Are you with me so far? So you get to choose. You have the power to choose to do the right thing or to to live holy lives. And that's not that's easier said than done. For all of us in here. Amen. Including the man with the microphone. We have the choice. We can be obedient now in Christ, whereas before it was impossible to be obedient to God without Christ. It was impossible to be obedient without Jesus and without the Holy Spirit. We tried it. We tried religion. Amen? We tried different things. We tried traditions. We tried religion to see if we can do the right thing. Sometimes we even tried to do the right thing before we even had the real nature. And that ran its course as well. That ended as well. So now we have the power. We have the ability to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and to to what God commands. 
See, a lot of times we go to church and they'll tell you, you got to change the way you dress, the way you look, the way you are on the outside, the way you talk, the way you think. You can't change that. Only God can change that. So sometimes we're getting the old man and we're trying to disciple the person that died. When you came into Christ, your old man died. You are new. Amen. You can't disciple the old man. Oh, it's just how I am, pastor. You know, I, I just can't change anymore. This is just how my mama raised me. No, well, let God raise you from the dead and become new. It's just, you know, I grew up in the hood and you know how it is over there. Give me a break. God can change you. If he can change the worst of the worst, the, the murderer Saul he, into Apostle Paul, he can change you. He can change me. And he has in Christ. We have the ability to be obedient to Jesus Christ. We can't do it on our own. So before, we, before someone like as a believer, uh, you know, you've walked with the Lord maybe several years and, and you kind of know your Bible and, and, but you're still having a hard time living a holy life. You're, there's still things that you're addicted to. There's still things that you say that you shouldn't say. And, and there's things that you do that you shouldn't do. And, and you want to live a holy life and you struggle with this. And maybe today God will answer your prayer of, of how do I do this? Because before you can live a holy life, there's a few things that you have to understand in your own personal life. That are really important that if you don't have these, it's going to be really hard for you to live a holy life. And most of you know this because I've preached this for years. I know some of you are new, but, but you know this still. I know you know this. And when I say it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know this. <laughs> you have always heard, change your behavior on the outside. But what if your heart hasn't changed? Then your behavior won't change. So we, fo we force people to live holy lives. We force them like, like you better act like this and be. I've made that mistake myself, you know. Now in leadership, when, when there's leaders around me, it's a different standard for them. Okay, uh, there's a different. I expect a different maturity from them. But if someone's just like coming and like we're putting pressure, it, it's just not going to work. They're just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to go watch some, stay at home. The problem is we never tell them what God has done inside of them, that we would just sit there in a season with some folks and not expect them to be perfect and holy overnight, but that we just would spend some time with some folks and tell them what God has done inside them. And they'll say, yeah, but, you know, I cuss a lot. It's okay. Jesus has changed your heart. You're righteous before him. He'll change the way you talk. It, no, but I'm always doing this. I'm always disrespecting. I'm, no, don't worry. God has changed you. Just keep moving forward. But we don't. We sit with their sin and we say, yeah, let's look at your sin for a little while. Yeah, you're right. It is pretty bad. But that person knows already that it's pretty bad. What we need to encourage them and tell them is who they are in Christ. If you keep telling a kid that he's bad, he's going to always be bad. You keep telling them that a little kid, you keep telling him that he's dumb. He's going to think he's dumb for the rest of his life. He's going to have to go to psychologists, psychiatrists to, to change the way that he thinks from what his parents told him all of his life. 
If you keep telling people that have received Jesus Christ that they're sinners, that they're bad, that be careful, you're going to go to hell if you don't do this, they're, they're not, they're not going to change. They're going to live in fear. So we need to tell people who they are in Jesus Christ. So the first step before we can even get to living holy is what is holiness? Like, what is that? Like, looking at this this week, I was like, yeah, what is holiness? You know, I, I kind of, like, we all grasp an understanding in our hearts and in our minds. Like, we, we kind of get it. But what is it? And I kind of I wanted to find it in the Word. And uh, where the Holy Spirit led me was to uh, Revelations. You guys probably know where I'm going with this, especially you people that grew up in church and stuff. Been in church for a while. You speak Christianese as well as I do. Revelation chapter 4, what is holiness? This is the first step. What is holiness? Chapter 4, verse 2. Revelation, that's the last book in the Bible. If you didn't know, Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. Are you there? And instantly, this is John speaking, I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit, or the seven spirits of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes. Listen to this. Each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living, uh, the first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes. More eyes, guys. Inside and out, just in case we missed a spot. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying one thing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and is to come. Amen? Doesn't that excite you? So here are these creatures, right? They're full of eyes all over their bodies. Then they have six wings. Those are full of eyes. And they, what they see in God the most, they, they could have said, oh, he is love, which he is. They wouldn't have been wrong. He's full of grace, which he is. They wouldn't have been wrong. But there's one thing that stands out the most, the closer you get to God, and that's his holiness. It stands out the most, the essence of God is that he's holy. The reason that he needed to send Jesus is because he's holy. Because we couldn't get to him without Jesus. The reason that, that we can enter into the presence of a grand, amazing, majestic, and holy God is because of the Christ that died for our sins, cleansed us with his blood, and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. They could have saw and said anything of the Father, of God. But they say, holy, holy, holy. They, they keep seeing the holiness of God. They keep feeling the holiness of God. Holiness is the divine 
pure, clean righteousness of God. There is no evil thought. There is no wicked thought. There is no evil saying. There is no wicked saying in heaven. Everything is pure, innocent, glorious, and divine. When you come before this holy God, it can be scary sometimes. It can be. If you don't know who you are, it can be sometimes. Or you're like, I'm going to die. Amen? Have anybody experienced that before? You're in the presence of God and you're like, wow, this is a lot. This is too much. This is what they're experiencing is the glory, the weightiness, the heaviness of the holiness of God in heaven. And these living creatures with eyes all over them, with different faces of an ox, of a human, of an eagle, they keep saying and seeing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and is to come Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is holy. He is holy. Wow. So uh, it's important that we know what holiness is. And that's what it is. See, anything that goes away from God becomes unholy. Darkness is the absence of light. Amen? Darkness is not a thing. It's the absence of light. When light comes into darkness, darkness goes away. God didn't create evil. Evil formed because it got away from a holy God. The further away from God that Lucifer got, his heart far away, his his mind, his actions got away from God, from his holiness. He had to become evil. There was no way around it. So his holiness is pure, it's, it's clean, it's divine. Do you understand what it means? To a certain extent, I know it's hard to grasp with our brains, but with your heart, just grasp the feeling of the Holy One. He's holy, almost like untouchable. He cannot be touched with human hands. Amen? A temple made with human hands cannot hold him because he's holy. Isaiah chapter 6, you don't have to go there unless you want, but Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2 through 3, says the same thing. Put it up, uh, Jair, please. It says, attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two they flew. They were calling out to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Here are angels with six wings. Because of God's holiness, they cover their face and their feet. And then they fly with the other two wings. And they also exclaim. They also cry out. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're around his throne. The 24 elders are around his throne, but sort of like on the floor. And these are 
flying. It says that the living creature that, that was an eagle is flying also. It's like taking flight. Creatures having the opportunities to say anything they want, they declare God is holy. God is holy, pure. He wants us to be the same. This holiness that we've just encountered, it was, a, I don't know how you feel right now, but I feel like I've just encountered a holy God right now. And this holiness that we have encountered is the same holiness that God wants us to practice every day. But you can't, but how? You can't practice holiness unless you, first, you don't know what holiness is. And the second thing is you don't know who you are. If you don't know who you are, it's going to be difficult to practice holiness on a Monday through Friday, you know, let's say. So you got to know that you are a new creation. That's the first thing. See, we, people come into church, we have, to, we have to sit with them for a season and say, you are a new creation. Don't forget that. But I messed up. It's okay, but, but you're learning to be a new creation. You're a baby. You're walking. And some of us, they try to fast forward and accelerate us to live holy lives. And we never learned who we were in Christ. We never learned what Jesus did for us, that we are a new creation. So we're going to read it in 2 Corinthians. Some of you know this stuff. It's awesome. Just go in, into journey with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I don't want to read this whole thing, so we're going to skip a little bit because there's... <laughs> Still more Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Let me know when you're there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Amen? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Let me read that again. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Verse 21 is the last one here. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin or to become sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Amen. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. Amen? All things have been made new in your life. The problem is sometimes we forget maybe or we don't hear it enough. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And this is the word of God. That you have been made new. That old things have passed away. That God has given you a new life. A new nature amen look god can change a cat into a lion the cat can't do anything to become a lion it could try to roar right roar as a cat it could try to grow its hair it could try to hunt it's probably going to die a cat cannot become a lion but god can turn a kitty into a roaring awesome you know, fire-breathing, tongue-speaking, healing everyone in sight, living a holy life, lion. God can change that nature. Amen. Only God can change our nature. But we need, to, we need to remember this. This is called position. God gives us position before he expects our performance. He gives us the position in heaven. He says, you're my son 
The Bible says it in Colossians. You're holy, you're accepted, and you're beloved. He gives us position first. Then comes the performance or the behavior. But we've said behavior first, then you will go to heaven. I cannot earn heaven with my behavior. Jesus dying on the cross and me believing in him earns me heaven. And then when I receive my new creation, my new heart, and the Holy Spirit within me, then I can change my behavior. I know you guys are like experts in this stuff, right? Freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. This is the new creation that God placed inside of us. Learn who you are. What Christ did for you. Amen? Your identity in him, your position in him. Before you can even talk about living a holy life. Live right. But we tell people how wrong they are, right? Even, even I have. God calls you a saint. Or you can show me where he calls you a sinner and I'll give you a prize. And the prize will be that I'm going to prove to you that he didn't. <laughs> he doesn't call you that. He calls you a saint. He calls you his church, his beloved. You used to be a sinner. And you do sin. I sin too. But I'm not bound by it. It's not my master. Are you with me? Amen. So the, the next step was, who are we? This is who we are. We are, we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Then Jesus says, I became sin for you so that you can be righteous. Jesus didn't have to take sin on his life. He was perfect. Amen. He was perfect. He never sinned. But he took your sin, the, the whole entire world's sin on his life so that you can be righteous. He said, you take mine and I'll take yours. He became our substitute. The second thing or the next thing we have to figure out. When it comes to living a holy life is, first it was, what is holiness? Then who am I? Then who is the Father? Who is God in, in all of this? How does he feel? What's his heart from all of this? So I want to read to you, but before I do, um, you guys know the story of the prodigal son? You guys have heard that story? That story shows the heart of the Father, right? This is, this is how the Father thinks how he feels about us. So the prodigal son, as you know, comes and he asks his father for the inheritance. Now, mind you, an inheritance comes when someone dies. Then you get an inheritance. So this son was being rebellious and he was being disobedient. And he was saying, I want my inheritance now. Now, he was already sinning right there. And then he did other stuff that we'll talk about. But he was already messing up right there. Because basically he was telling his father, I don't care if you're dead or alive. I want what's mine. And that was very disrespectful. And according to the law, he deserved death just with that act. Okay? His father says, okay, here's your inheritance. And he leaves. And you guys know the story? He goes to Las Vegas. <laughs> I think they had one back then. He burns through all his money, gambles it away, prostitutes, all of the works, right? And he runs out of money. He runs out of his inheritance, okay? He runs out of his 
what was promised to him. He runs out of it, runs out of favor. He gets to a place where he's about to eat some food that's for animals, for pigs. And as you know, most of you know that he came to himself. He, he realized what was happening in his life. Now that right there, that little piece right there, I believe was the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit came and took the veil from his eyes. And he realized, wow, what am I doing? Who am I? Where am, where am I? What's going, what happened to me? He realized, and then he thought to himself, man, even the servants in my father's house have bread to eat. I will go to my father, I will, I will ask for forgiveness, and I will tell him, I'll be one of your, your servants because even they have bread to eat. So we'll pick up the story in Luke chapter 15. And we're going to see the heart of the father. This is very important for living a holy life. Very, very important. Probably the most important. Luke 15, verse 20. And there's some really neat nuggets that I found in here that are so good. Luke 15, verse 20. Let me know when you're there. So it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, wow, embraced him and kissed him, hugs and kisses. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I know I didn't put that on there. but So what's the first thing that we see? For me, what stood out, I know it's probably not the first thing, but what stood out is that the father, the father runs. He runs. To his disobedient son. Now sometimes we think when we mess up, God runs away. That's what we think. (laughs) That's what we think, right? Sometimes. But the father runs towards his disobedient son. So the first character of the father is, the well, first of all, he runs. That's awesome in itself that he runs. Amen. To you and me, when we mess up. When we fail him. So if you take one step towards him, he runs towards you. That's the first thing that I saw. The second thing is he's filled with love and compassion. Amen? Not hate and judgment. Not even anger. Most of us, if somebody betrays us and wishes that we were dead, (laughs) we would wish... They were dead. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I'm a sinner. Just kidding. But he's filled with love and compassion. But how many of us think that God is angry, right, when we mess up? And we get a flat tire and we're like, what did I do this week? What sin did I commit? Because flat tire equals what sin? We think like that. I got fired from my job. Okay. Okay. How many times did I miss church this year? That's what it is. 
the father's heart shows here that he's, he's filled with love and compassion. Now, most of us, this is hard for us. Trust me on this. This is hard for us to comp- comprehend in our brains because when people mess up towards us, we don't, we don't get filled with love and compassion. We get filled with other stuff. And it's not love and compassion, just to reiterate. But this father, who is God, who is God our father, it's, it's a parable about God our father. He's filled with love and compassion. So when people mess up in church, how do we react? How have we reacted? May the Lord forgive us for some of our reactions, right? Sometimes we think, but they should get it together, like read the Bible, pray, you know, it's easy. <clears throat> but, but like this young man, he didn't know, he didn't even know what he was doing at a point. It says that he came to himself, like he realized God took the veil off. And the father is, is filled with love and compassion, and so should we. And as we live a holy life, we should know that when we mess up, God is still filled with love and compassion towards us. That when we, we talk bad to a spouse or, or we ta- talk bad to a parent or to, to our kids or, or, or to our coworkers or, or to our, our bosses, right? That even when we mess up, we should know that God is full of love and compassion. Now, does he want us to change? Of course, yeah. But he doesn't want us to run away from him. That's the whole point of this parable. The next thing is he embraces his son. Like I said, under the law, this, this was a disobedient son. For sure, this was like disobedient, rebellious son. And he deserves death for this. And I think one of the reasons he ran to his son was to protect him as well. Because the townspeople get a hold of his son. They had every right. And he protected. He embraces his son. With hugs and kisses. Amen? He embraces, means hug, embrace, and he kisses him. He kisses him. That's the father towards us. When we mess up, when we sin, when we fail him, when we even betray him, when we adulter against him, bless you, he's filled with love and compassion. Towards us. Man, that's awesome. And and, in our history as a church, not grace and love, but as a church in Christ, how many times have we judged people because they get sick or they die because they did something wrong? It's in our history. It's unfortunate. But we need to change that. Because according to this passage, the Father doesn't say, okay, you messed up. Yes, you will be, actually, you will be below the servants. And, and you will barely eat, and you'll work for everything. And we'll see, one day maybe you'll be a son. I don't know. He didn't treat him like that, amen? His son asked for forgiveness, but the father had already forgave him. And I know that that's a mystery, right? It's like, well, who... But the father's action is, is forgiveness. But the son's action is repentance. 
So the father knew that the son coming back was a sign of him repenting. So the father forgives a repented heart. The words were just a cherry on top. When the son feels like he has to start all over or from the bottom, the father gives him an upgrade. He says, I'll give you new clothes, bring him a new ring and new shoes. Like Christmas almost, right? (laughs) New clothes, he gives him a righteous covering. New ring means a new covenant and new shoes, a new nature to walk with. This is very important to living a holy life. Then the father celebrates with him. He gets the fatted calf and celebrates the new life of his son. Do you know the father celebrates with you and with us? Amen? So this is the father. This is who the father is. This is the heart of the father. So when you're living a life in God and you're living, trying to live a holy life and, and you're trying to figure it out, these two things that I just talked about, who we are and who he is, is the most important stuff in your walk. How many of us start to live for the Lord? Then we stop all of a sudden because we messed up. But we forget that God loves you unconditionally. He loves me unconditionally. He's not a tyrant. If you mess up, instead of running from God or or from church, walk towards him. And he's going to run towards you. Amen? No one here should judge you. If they do, let me know. If it's me, I'm sorry. (laughs) But no one here should judge you. God doesn't even do that. He loves you. And finally, after we know what holiness is, we know who we are, we know who God is. Man, we're in love. Now let's live a holy life. Amen? Let's be examples in, in speech, in everything. Let's go to Romans. We'll end with Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 10. Are you there? And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. That doesn't mean that when you die, the Spirit will give you life. It means that your old man, the old nature has died because you have been given, you have been made right with God. Verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. Amen? Here it is in a nutshell, everything we've talked about. Holy living, 
with the Holy Spirit. God first changes our nature, then he shows us who he is as a father, then he puts the Holy Spirit inside of us so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit and live a holy life. If you find yourself being tempted, temptation is not a sin. Temptation is temptation. Okay? But you can run away from temptation because you have the Holy Spirit. You have the power to say no. You have the power to make the right choice. You have a new nature. You know who God is, and he loves you, and he's filled with compassion. So even if you mess up, you can lift yourself up and keep walking straight towards him. But you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not tell yourself that you can't. Tell yourself what the Holy Spirit is saying is that you can through him, not through your own strength, but through him you can do all things. This is not like a, like a myth or, or, or a story that I'm telling you. We can live holy lives. It is possible. How many times does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Not to do and say certain things, but we disobey him. Countless, amen? Countless times, but he's there speaking. He's there. He's speaking. He's saying, look, don't go there. Look, don't say that. Wait, wait a minute. Just wait a couple days. Let the emotions die down and then say something. Wait, wait. Be an example. Wait. The voice is there. But we just, we, we. Either ignore it or we hear it and disobey it. But I'm telling you, God is so good that the reason he's telling you and us, he's telling us today this thing is because he wants you to know how much he loves you and how much he wants to use you. You know, it's kind of weird sometimes when people at work, like I, I... I'm regular at work. Like, I'm goofy. I, you guys, most of you know me personally. I'm goofy. I play around. You know, I don't obviously cross the line and, and be vulgar or anything like that, but I'm goofy. I play around and sarcastic and all that stuff gifted me with. And there's people that are finding out that I'm Christian, right, as, as, uh, as I open myself up more and... and and people open up as well. And sometimes, th- this, is not, this is not what we mean by holiness, okay? Sometimes when I'm around them and they start to cuss and stuff, they're like apologizing to me, right? They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, uh, I'm, you know, excuse my French or whatever. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what you said. What? And... And people have, like, this notion that holiness is like this monk in the mountains that doesn't talk to anyone, that, that doesn't have relationships, you know, that, that, you know, fasts for 30 days or 40 days and 40 nights, right? And, and for, we're not fasting that much, obviously. And, and second, it's not about what you look like. It's about who you are. It's, it's how you function. It's how you respond. If everyone's 
going crazy and worried because of, of things going on in the world and you're calm. And you're like, God's got it. If, if, if you know, uh, if there's tension, if there's conflict, you become the peacemaker rather than the person dividing more. You become the person that brings peace. You, you make peace between whatever's going on. This is living a, a, a life led by the Holy Spirit, living a holy life that you don't, like if someone puts something on the screen that, that you just met, you just met this person, or, or they turn on the radio, you just met this person, and you're like, oh, no, that's bad. You just met this person, and you're already closing doors. That's not what we mean by, by living a holy life. The Holy Spirit will lead you to be an example not a, not a judge to be an example, to live, to stand out for Jesus. Amen? The pure, honest lump of truth. No yeast in it. No leaven of the Pharisees or Herod. Just pure, honest truth. Sincere and genuine. And, and, and since we're a community in Christ... And, and if you have issues, if you're going through stuff, that you would find someone to talk to. That if you're dealing with, with sin in your life that, that, that you can't get rid of, that you would find someone to speak with. That they would pray with you and, and help you live a holy life. A life that's clean and pure before God. So let's not quench the Holy Spirit because what the Holy Spirit does inside of us is he gives us the power. He gives us the, the, the guidance to do the things that God has called us to do, to say the right thing. To, You know, like we have so many things going on in our life. We get hit from everywhere and we can easily respond in the flesh all the time. We can easily respond in the, in the carnal all the time. When, when family offends you, uh, when someone at work offends you, how do you respond? Do you respond how Jesus would respond, how the Holy Spirit leads you to respond? Sometimes I'm too slow to respond to things. But I'd rather take my time and pray and ask God, how do we, how do we, how do we approach this, Lord, together? How can you and I partner and approach this stuff together, Lord? This, this life, how can we approach it together, God? That you would lead me, Lord, to, to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, but then from fellowship go to living it out, to, to him guiding me and, and, and him prompting me and giving me the, the strategy and the plan of how to live my life. How do I approach my family, my finances? How do I approach my ministry? How do I approach everything that I would be led by the Holy Spirit? And everything, holy living is not just not cussing. Holy living is being examples. Being examples of, of the kingdom that people would look at us and say, man, there's, there's something different about you. Like, how do you, how do you, how, how do you think that way? Because I'm led by the Holy Spirit because I live a holy life. That, because that's who I am. I am, I am the new creation that God has built inside me, that, that, that he's 
transforming within me. I am not this outer thing. Amen? I am who Christ says I am. I am, I am holy before him. So the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts, convicts us of our righteousness. He doesn't convict, convict of sin. He convicts of righteousness in the children of God. In other words, he convinces you of who you are. He convinces you of who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? You can read that in John somewhere. All right, let's pray. Let's pray that God would lead us in holy living. All of us here have the opportunity to be examples, to live out grace, to be filled with love and compassion. Grace leads us to holiness, doesn't lead us to unholiness. Remember we read in Revelations and Isaiah of the creatures, the living creatures and the angels, how they say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what, that's what they keep saying. You know, right now as I was preaching, they were saying it. During the day, it says, and during night. And I know in heaven there is no day and night, but it's just for us to understand that it's 24 hours for us here. In, in, in eternity, they're constantly saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Not because of how he looks, although that's glorious, but because, but because of who he is. He is holy. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.